we go. Yes. Yeah. John Curley, Sherry Elliker Show, and you are along with us for the ride. Much appreciated. And Sherry, you're starring with Lee Marvin. Have we seen The Dirty but- Dozen? I, think seen the Dirty I have not seen that. that I know it's a classic, but I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. James Brown running, dropping the bombs and all those things. One, Mickey Mouse goes in the house. Two, I don't recommend that one. Uh, i got to get a TV. Driving it in the All right. Um, so many high schools and elementary schools across the United States right after George Floyd decide, well, let's do everything we can to possibly eradicate systemic racism. So Loudoun County Schools, Virginia, boy, they went all in. They paid a group $450,000 to come in. They educated teachers. They got rid of their mascot at Lowndes County. One of the schools was the Raiders, but they said, no, that's not right. We shouldn't use Raiders because that probably somehow involves, um, uh, I think that was somehow racist. So they flipped around. They switched around. Now they're the captains. Well, they also decided what they wanted to do. This from the new uh, National Review and from parents that are now school uh, suing the school districts there in Virginia. What they found was when they would hand out these, uh, it, when the kids would take advanced placement exams and then national merit scholarship awards and things like that, when they would do well on it, the organization would send the letter to the school district saying, these students have gotten this award. And by the way, this is emblematic of the great work that you're doing there at the school. So congratulations to you and the teachers and, you know, hand out these awards to these kids. Uh, that's the setup of the story. What's the second part? The teachers, this was in Fairfax County, Virginia. This is one particular school, but they found that there were 18 schools in four counties that had similar issues like this. So when they were given these, these, uh, I guess they're like, um, some sort of uh, certificate or something like that indicating that these kids had gotten this merit scholarship, right? So they went to the teachers and said, hey, the merit scholarships have come in. You can distribute them in your classes. And the responses varied from, oh, gosh, I've got 18 kids getting a merit scholarship certificate, but 26 students, and therefore the people that didn't get one are going to feel really bad about themselves. So that teacher said, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to distribute them in the classroom. If I see the kids in the hallway, then I'll give them to them, but I'm not going to do it all at once. And, you know, a couple of other people said the same thing. So what ended up happening is that a lot of these certificates never got distributed at all. They ended up in a file somewhere. And mm-hmm. parents... Not somewhere. Were, they in the file was all the way in the back of the file room on the last shelf furthest from the door. This was all... All of this stuff came out when a, a freedom of information request was made. and was a 20,000 emails back and forth. So you could see what they were doing to conspire to not give the kids the awards because they didn't want anybody to feel bad. Was that basically what you kind of get from the whole thing? Yeah, and and the parents would say, hey, you know, my, my, my kid got this thing. Where is it? And they said everything from, oh, there's no financial uh, recognition, meaning you know, there's no money attached to this, or um, uh, we, we didn't, it was human error that we didn't distribute it, th- these kinds of things. Well, the fact of the matter is these things do matter when kids are applying for colleges. 
colleges take a look at that. That means the kid is doing really, really well. And so therefore, maybe this, that particular national merit thing doesn't have money attached to it, but it could lead to more scholarship opportunities or more money given to a child. So it, it was just an absolute disaster. And, um, you know, they, they are now, you know, having to deal with this and having to admit that they tried to cover this up and that their mm-hmm. intention was to not have other kids feel bad because the, the, there, there were people that were superior to them in academics. The emails that were sent from one teacher to another or back to the administrator saying, yes, um, I have them, but I, I, I'll, I'll give them right in the hallway or not in the classroom because I don't want other kids to feel bad. It's like, w- what about the kids that worked, that sacrificed, that did their homework? Do they deserve some sort of recognition? And does it really hurt the other kids sitting next to them to realize, well, that kid did a lot better than I did. That kid studied. That kid did better. But no, let's all just kind of keep it on the down low so that we don't, so that others that aren't doing as well don't feel as bad because they, they do this whole equity thing, which is basically their, their equal outcome to all. But you can't have an equal outcome to all. There's no such thing as equity. There's no equity in nature. The firstborn has a higher IQ than the secondborn. That's, just the way it is. You're not going to have it in nature. You're certainly not going to have it in a classroom. I think it's so unfair. I mean, I was a horrible student. Horrible. I mean, I graduated third from the bottom of my class. And I, I didn't begrudge anybody that did better. I just figured they just did better. And I didn't find out I was really seriously dyslexic until I was like in senior year of high school. By that time, I'd given up. But if some kid got some award or got, got all straight A's, they weren't the ones being, hi, I got straight A's and you didn't. They just were succeeding. It's so sad for fear have- that someone's going to feel bad. You're going to hurt somebody's feelings. You, What about the feelings of the student that cared enough to study and to apply themselves? How about their feelings? Their feelings don't count? Well, how about when you get into the real world, and if you don't perform on your job as well as somebody else, you're going to be passed over for a promotion. Do you think, do you think there's going to be any, not you know, anymore? Not anymore. <laughs> Are you Two saying- days ago on Friday or it might have been Monday, Joe Biden signed an executive order basically saying, Hey, everybody, it's DEI. We're all in every single one of the agencies are going to be accountable. You're going to have to show us that you're hiring from the disadvantaged. You're going to have to make sure you're checking enough boxes. I looked and I I saw it this morning and Jacob found as well. So if a student does well and they excel and they're better than somebody else, God bless them, right? Everybody's got their gifts. Find out what they are. They do it for students when it comes to athletes. Let's get things going. Start things strong. Man himself, Rocky Hanson. He's committed. These kids are going on to college, and they cheer them on, and then they talk about how well they did. And going to Wake Forest, getting a scholarship. Good for you. Each one of the athletes are called out, brought up. They talk about their GPA, how well they did. This is committing to play football for the Wildcats at Davidson College. 
you think the kids sitting there that wasn't as big and wasn't as fast or didn't spend time in the weight room or didn't apply themselves or didn't work out enough or think that kid's feeling bad for himself? Possibly. So what lesson does that kid learn? Maybe I should try harder. Or the freshman or the sophomore sitting there watching some other kid, a senior, you know, get these kinds of accolades. Hey, maybe I could do that. Why couldn't the kid sitting next to the other kid that all of a sudden gets the Merit Scholarship Award handed to them in class and everybody cheer it could inspire the kid next to him? You know what? I'm going to try harder next time. This, this idea of removing meritocracy to get rid of somebody doing saying, well, you excelled. You got an A. You earned an A. That's yours. Congratulations. Somehow that kid getting an A hurts the other kid who got a C or a D. Doesn't make any sense. There is None. a there is um, a civil rights investigation going into this right now because uh, the analysis of the national merits uh, winners reveals seventy five percent of the semifinalists are Asian. Um, so the the lawsuit says that withholding the commended student awards has inordinate impact on Asian students, a protected minority under civil rights laws. So. Mm-hmm. They're suing over this, as they should. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Those teachers and those administrators, and by the way, they also lied when they asked the principal about it last year. Uh, yeah, that was a uh, just, you know what happened? We, our staff, we were staff, we were short-staffed, and we just didn't get them in time. Then they found out that was total crap because they found out when the 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 awards were sent to the schools and the schools had it. And then when they got the freedom information request, they saw that the principals had them and basically told the teachers to just bury them, put them aside, put them in some sort of file. Some woman didn't even find out that her kid had gotten some mom didn't find out her kid had gotten the award until like a year later. Right. Because her other kid got one and she said, did my other kid get one of these? Oh yeah. Well, you know, it was an oversight. Uh, you know, they said it was that it was one time human error. Then they said it was staffing issues. And recently they've said uh, there was this is not a war on merit. Oh, please. That is please. what the superintendent has said. And so what are these kids that they they can't turn back the clock? They can't now use these as a way to get into college. I mean, chances are these kids are the best and the brightest so they will get into colleges they this is not going to overly impact whether or not they do well or whether or not they it it could have potentially tipped the scales a little bit or somewhat but i think they're all so talented they're probably all going to get into good schools and they will be eligible for some additional scholarship money here's the question at what point no what happened to them but here's the question so let's just follow this progressive idea of DEI and equity, right? All outcomes being equal. At what point does the kid who would naturally apply themselves to try to get the A's just sort of pull back a little bit? There's a great story about a professor who was talking about how many people here are in favor of socialism. I think it's in college. How many people here are in favor of capitalism? And because the kids are all knuckleheads, they all love the socialism. So he does a great. You ever heard this, te- this story? He hands out some tests and the kids get A's and some kids get D's and some kids get D's and C's. Then he does another test a couple weeks later and this kid looks on and goes, uh, excuse me, I got all of these right. Why, why did I get a, why did I get a B minus? I got them all right. Right. Well, what I did is I took four of your points that I would have given you an A and I gave it to the other student who got a D to move him up to a C. 
And by the way, you that got the B, you did get a B, but I took six of your points and gave it to the kid that got the F, so you have a C. So you're basically all coming in at about anywhere between a B- and a C+. I was able to take some of your points at the top, you guys that got A's, give it to the kids at the bottom to bring them up. Well, as the teacher talks about the outcome of this, he said if he continued this experiment, what he thought would happen eventually would be the kids that got A's would do what? They would begin to either not try as hard. There you go. Yeah. Right. Because why? Why (laughs) Why bother? bother? Why study? I'm going out on a Friday night. I'm going to go out and have a good time. I don't need to study because if I got an A, what does it matter to me? I'm not going to get an A because someone else is going to take some of my points. So at what point, in to continue this, at what point did those kids that were doing well stop trying? And if they stop trying, how is society better served by them not pushing themselves, by them not wanting to learn, by them not actually living up to their full potential? How are we better served by some kid 10 years from now saying, well, it doesn't matter, I just won't bother studying, I won't bother learning? Then we all just become dumber. But then we'll all be equal. We'll all be equally dumb because the kids that could do well don't do well. Because why should they? Because none of theirs get recognized. Well, what would you say to the person that used, let's say, you as an example. And Uh you got discouraged in school because you had... Uh, difficulty with reading or uh, whatever, whatever it was that, you know, was a challenge for you, right? And you saw mm-hmm. these kids around you all excelling, all doing, you know, better than you. And it made you feel really badly. I mean, you, you wanted to do well, but it was just a, a hurdle that you couldn't get over sometimes. So to not have more, um, uh, not to have not have more evidence that everybody's doing better than you w- would that have helped you at all to say okay i am this is a level playing field i i'm as good as anybody else i i am not you know continuing to feel beaten down by the fact that i just can't excel here w- yep. would it have made a difference to you no i was it doesn't work as an analogy for me sherry i was so far gone when it came to school that none of that mattered but what what mattered to me was athletics so i used to see you know somebody when it was in the track team and you know who's going to run the four by 400 who's going to run the four by 100 and i would just try harder at practice to pick up my pace and pick up my baton um passing because i wanted to run in the first heat so i was doing everything I could to be a better athlete because I kept thinking, well, that's going to be my ticket to college, (laughs) like I could do well in college, but at least I would do better, go down to the weight room and lift weights and squats and rush and squats and run, 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 and train, train, train to be able to get a scholarship. I got a scholarship to run the 800 in some crappy college, but then when I cheated on my SATs, I took it back. But I, I used athletics and I used the faster kids. I was running after trying to catch the faster kids. If I was, if I had the ability to do schoolwork, I might have been inspired by these other kids to, to do better. And maybe that helps. But again, when you just, when you want everybody to feel good, you will have people feeling good about themselves, but it's nothing that they've earned. You're bestowing upon them. And you're also feeling sorry for you. You're pitying this person. Don't pity them. Expect more of them. Tragic. I hope those teachers and I hope that principal and I hope those superintendents lose their job. Bye-bye.
Bye-bye, because you're dumbing down the world in order to make everybody feel equal, which they is won't. impossible. They, no? they won't, because, well, no, they're they're on, uh, you know, <laughs> on as far as what the world is telling us, they're actually doing the right thing now by doing all the DEI stuff. So, no, they're going to be protected. They're not going to... They're not going to lose their jobs now. This lawsuit could go through, and it could cost them some money. Uh, yeah. But I, I don't. I don't think they'll. I, I don't. I don't think they're going to suffer any kind of serious uh, repercussions on this. Yeah, that's tragic. And by expecting less from some other student, they will deliver less. But if you expect more from somebody, and you help them, and you guide them, and you just tell them they can do it, and then you work with them, and you challenge them, that's where the growth occurs. Not bringing everybody else down. Sad. That's what I try to do with this show, with Andrew and Jacob and you. I try to, you know, just coach you up, right? <laughs> yes, and thank you for that. We are inspired every single day. You too, Nate. Yes. You're not off the hook. I'm watching you over there. Oh, the I know you are. Try. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who am I? Why am I here? There you are. Please clap. Okay. Oh, yes, the John Curley Sherry Elgar Show. That's uh, who I am. That's who she is, and that's why you're here as well. Answer all those questions in one quick little soundbite. I hope that, well, I listened back to the show yesterday, as I always do. I hope that, I hope no one else has been listening. Not our best <laughs> wait, work, Sherry. That's, that's not, this is not ever a goal, is to have people not listen. What was it that No, I'm just hoping a, a lot of people took President's Day off. Or just, you know, I don't need radio for the day. It's President's Day. You know, I want to celebrate, go out and buy a mattress or something. Just listen back. It wasn't our best. It's okay. Room for improvement. Anything in particular that was... Uh... You and I will talk later. There's no need to talk about <laughs> it in here. Okay. Okay. All right. Just let me know. Just I, 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 If they add, you know, if you want to add it to my usual notes that I've given, um, just... Uh, just put it on the uh, on the dock. Go to PowerPoint. I'm sitting here. Yeah. PDF PowerPoint, Dylan. Uh, let's see. There's uh, new benefits. This is the perks to get the employers are still tailoring these perks to try to get you to come to work for them uh, or stick around and keep working for them. You steal somebody from somebody else. And uh, how are they? How are they? How are they baiting the hook now, Sherry? Well, these are perks that might happen in the future. They aren't Ooh. currently available, but they think future this is the way. Baits. Uh-huh. Yes, that these are the, going to be the kinds of things that companies will get creative about because they want to attract people. And a regular benefits package now, as they say in the article, is never going to be a one size fits all. So these are some ideas that might come come around. Uh, one is called stints and sabbaticals, and they say that human centered leadership is going to be the trend in management, global mindfulness, empathy, uh, respecting different cultures. These are all things that, uh, the, the new leader will, will embrace. Um, so this would be something where you would go maybe either get a sabbatical where you could go off for two or three weeks and uh-huh. not have to work, or you would do a stint somewhere where you might get, say, 60 days where you could work from anywhere in the world if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Another one is hmm. uh, 
daycare for parents. Uh, we are very focused on daycare for children, but what they're finding is that we've got an aging workforce and many, many people are caring for an aging parent. And wow. this gets to be a problem when they have to leave work or they have to do whatever. So you might begin to see employer subsidized oh. care centers. Um, so you bring as- your mom and dad to work and drop them off down in the basement, like that kind of thing. And my mom yelling, where's George Prepard? <laughs> yeah, or, or Lee Marvin. Yes, yes, that's yes. the idea. That is huh. the idea. Um, the other next one is customized benefits. Now, these would be mm. things that you could choose. So, let's say you like um, skiing yeah. as your as your health, your exercise. Right, that's how you stay in shape. Well, maybe yeah, they I... would offer ski equipment, um, a benefit <laughs> for that. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I, the only one I really, I think, has some weight to it is that the culture of the worker, the employee, has changed considerably. And they will have the upper hand, I think, for a little while. And this work-life balance that they have been fed, all about themselves and their self-esteem and all this other stuff, what do they call it? What was the first part of that? The human something or other management? Human-centered leadership. I think they're probably going to have to bend. So if you're a 52-year-old guy or gal and you're sitting behind the desk and you're talking to some 28-year-old, it's like you're talking to somebody from another planet. And they're not going to learn your language. You're going to have to learn their language and you're going to have to speak to them and coddle to them and bend the culture to fit them because they've got more power than you do. And they are coming in looking for that work-life balance and they will quit at the drop of a hat and just go somewhere else if it's either too hard or it's not satisfying or whatever else it is that they're looking for. It's changed considerably. You know, if you think about it in the 50s and 60s, you came into work and that was the culture of what you did and how you spoke and what you wore. Or you even go back into the 1930s and you got into the factory and you wanted the job. You worked in that factory. You turned that screw or that bolt. You did whatever they wanted you to do and you didn't have any power. And it was all part of the corporate culture. I think the culture will change because younger people are coming in with a different attitude towards work than the folks from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Well, and remember, we're not talking about 20, 30, or 40-year careers or decades at one company. Younger people jump around a lot. And so in order to retain people, uh, they have to stay competitive. And one of the ways they can do that is, you know, in – Four or five years ago, it was what Google was doing or Amazon, where they would have free meals, free dry cleaning, on-site, anything you needed. Uh, so you mm-hmm. wouldn't leave the office to get those things done. Now they're taking it a, a step further and saying, you know, okay, we realize you don't want to spend every waking hour in the office, so take a sabbatical. Go do this. I mean, for them to, to be able to keep people around, they're going to have to do that. Another one that they brought up is on-site yeah. counselors. So um, because oh everyone God. seems to be obsessed with their mental health these days, and that's all <laughs> anybody talks about. Hey, 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 um, hey. I just realized you just did a list on the air. <laughs> you and Jacob just made a list and read them off one after another. Yo, you didn't number them. They're trying to throw me off. But you were listing them. <laughs> And you would go, oh, here's another one, rather than saying number five. You just did a list on the air. Andrew, put her down. 
Okay. She's in Add the that to the notes from yesterday, okay? Just put that in the pile. Yes. Okay. The the changing culture where people that don't like the job, if it's not satisfying to them, they just leave. That is, I've talked to a number of people that employ a bunch of people, and they said that's the most shocking. They just don't show up, or they just leave in the middle of the day, just gone, never come back, never tell you why, no two weeks notice, just gone, gone, gone. Just they don't. It's not part of of what they want to do. He said that he finds that to be the most remarkable. I wouldn't gonna. I'm gonna guess 20 years from now, or even more, or even less. The number of people having to work in corporations, they'll be much smaller. Elon Musk says he can knock it down to about 400 people and run Twitter. And with this uh, AI chat stuff, you'll be able to eliminate even more jobs. You know, it used to be that in two and before the computer came in and I and it was Univac or Sperry or which one did it, that in order to take over all of every single phone call made in the United States in 1982 or something like that, Every single woman in the United States would have to work for the phone company if there were not computers. Every single one would be employed by the phone company. It might have been in the 1970s. So as the advancement of technology, you will take less and less people. So you won't have these giant corporations with 3,000, 34,000, whatever. There'll be, I think it'll be smaller, broken-up units that won't be part of a great big kind of cultural machine that's, you know, this behemoth making decisions. So maybe it will be more personalized. And still think about dropping your mom and dad off down in the basement. Oh, God. And you have to get a call that your mom's doing something, your dad's wandering around. I could see my father coming up and start managing people. Well, I mean, or, or maybe they, yeah, or maybe they'd like get the other oldies to smoke or something like that. They get into trouble, you know, or they'd be. Uh... The oldies? <laughs> Is that what you call them? The oldies. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, right. Andrew, Andrew, I think you know oh. what to do. Oh my goodness! I like a good term. I like oldies. It sounds. Yeah. <laughs> oh, put yourself in. <laughs> I, I, I saw that coming. Yeah. Andrew's the ar- deciding he's the arbiter of. <laughs> he, he only puts you in the, the book oldies. if he agrees. Let me tell you something, guys. If it wasn't for the oldies, we would not be employed. Ployed, okay? <laughs> we would not be employed. Ployed. What? The oldies. You keep the oldies. That's who's listening. <laughs> the, the oldies are well, listening. No, are, no, no, no. These are these are these are we're pre oldies. Oh, more these, vital these individuals. Are, that you're saying, Sherry? Well, no. These are these are people that maybe you know aren't able to to manage their lives on their own. So they have reached a point in their life where they need supervision. <laughs> By the way, like, Nate, are you going to be uh, Nate? Are you going to be mm-hmm. uh, reporting on the train wreck that's occurring right now for Sherry? <laughs> 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 Riding to us is good, good for you. Right to us at MyNorthwest.com. Come on in to the State Roofing Text Line. one 888 By the way, I had a great meeting on Saturday morning. I called Sherry. I was so excited driving back. Dr. Natalie Ellington, my buddy, meeting with Deborah from Bite Me Cookies. We had breakfast over there at the 13 Coins, and it was just so exciting, Sherry, because big things happening for Dr. Natalie and um, her great nonprofit that I work with, and then Bite me cookies. Oh, oh, the cookies! Yes, Teeny, we talked about you. So, anyway, it was fun to have that all happen. And uh, did you hear the excitement of my voice when I called you on Saturday, Sherry? 
Yes, I was very happy yeah. for you. I know that this is something yeah. you had been trying to get together as far as the two yep. of them making a connection, and they hit yep. it off, and uh, they're going to make good, stuff. good things together. Good stuff yes. coming. Yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, Dr. Natalie realized more than 10 years ago that when you're 18 years old and you're a female in the state of Washington, when you turn 18, they hand you a garbage bag and they send you out into the street. Foster care kids, that's the system. You either go to the morgue, you go to the street, homeless, prison, something. So she said, well, let's see if we can do something about that. So one girl at a time. Anyway, and we're trying to get those cookies, uh, sales of cookies or something good to come from it. Hey, by the way, I saw this story. Um, let's, let's, let's flip the script a little quickly. So let's take care of Jeff Coons' balloon dog because I think we'll have more time. So Jeff Coons, um, he was famous for doing these sort of pop art sort of culture things. And you know what an bl- inflatable balloon dog, you know, you beep, 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 you blow it up. I know how to make them. It's not a big, I don't want to brag, but I'm pretty good with balloon animals. <laughs> and, um, and he, Jacob, I'm sorry. Were you sneezing or? Yeah. Was, uh, <laughs> right. Sometimes my sneezes sound like giggles. Okay. Andrew, you know what to do with that drop. All right. Uh, the, did somebody break it? Intentionally? Yeah. No, intentionally. no, I, I, no, not intentionally. So there was a, something called the Art Winwood, um, in Miami. And mm-hmm. there was a sculpture there that was one of the balloon dogs. And mm-hmm. it was worth about $42,000. Okay. It's 16 inches tall, 19 inches long. And a woman, I don't know if she bumped into it or something, she inadvertently tipped over the um, the pedestal that it was on and the sculpture fell to the floor and completely um, shattered. Yes. At first, there were people there that thought this could be staged, that this was some either some kind of a, a – you know, performance trying to get attention, art. a performance art, yeah. exactly, yeah, or maybe a protest mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but then they said it became like a car accident. Everybody oh. just swarmed over there to look and to see what was going to happen. And and the, I watched them as they swept up the shards of glass and, and everything. Oh. Um, this guy, Jeff Koons, has thousands of these balloon, balloon sculptures. Some of them yeah. are 10 feet tall. Some of them are 10 inches. I mean, they, they run the gamut, right? So mm-hmm. um, they're going to put together, you know, this the what's left of this thing and ship it <laughs> off i guess to the to the insurance company to see i i guess you know how much money they can get because it's insured um but one of the guys that like runs the gallery pointed this out he said listen there are 799 blue balloon sculptures now there's yeah. 798 they just increased in their value Oh, I was looking online. You buy one at Bergdorf Goodman. I don't know what size it is for fifty-five thousand. Well, there's a deal if you need a balloon dog sculpture in your house. I mean, they're popular. Yeah. People, a lot of celebrities have them. They're they're Do kind they? of trendy and cool. Yeah, but uh-huh. um, it, it, you kind of wonder how this thing could not have been secured. I mean, it was just perched. It wasn't. It, I, I don't. I guess it would ruin the art if you tried to anchor it to the pedestal. But Mm -hmm. it just seems like it's a little precarious to have something that valuable that anybody could just Just knock into. Sitting there. Yeah, I'm looking at a picture of it. Just That's just prior to. I was doing an auction over at Dale Jahuli's place, and he's blowing glass, and he's got his two guys spinning this giant thing, and they're spinning it. He's going, bigger, bigger, 
keep going, going, going. And he's it's spinning and getting bigger. And I'm 25 to get a 15, you get a 25,000. You get a 30,000, you get a 35,000, you get a 40,000, you get a 42, you get a 44, you get a 48, get a 50,000, 50,000, 50,000. Bigger, bigger, bigger. It's spinning and spinning. 55, now 60,000. And all of a sudden, <laughs> then did you go backwards? Can you can you do auctions? Can you do that? <laughs> I was like, like well, fifty five uh, to fifty. About, to- how about we do? We got looks like we got two big chunks. How about thirty thousand a piece right there? <laughs> huh, anybody? <laughs> oh, you could have got the momentum just blew out of the room. You're bigger, make it bigger. It's spinning. Everybody's cheering. Woo, 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 woo. Mm. Bang! All over the place. Oh, well. I'll show you. Sometimes less there is you more. Go. That's, that's the theme of this show. <laughs> and we deliver that every day. <laughs> every day. Low bar. We don't even have a bar anymore. No. Save less is more as well, Andrew, as long as you're in there saving that stuff. All right. I also want Jacob's Sometimes My Sneezes Sound Like Giggles. Sometimes My Sneezes Sound Like Giggles. That's it. Okay. Thank you. All right. <laughs> It makes everybody sad and happy at the same time. 